It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question. You can email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. Well, good afternoon. Don't call the number that you would normally call today because uh, we're going to answer your questions that we've gotten in through email, uh, both to Alex, uh, Bert, myself, and also from our Facebook page. And um, we've got some good questions today, so don't go anywhere. I think that you will benefit from some of the answers to the questions. And so uh, joining me today is Brother Bert Harper. Good to have be here. Good to have you, Jim, Thanks. is what I started to say, and I, I collected myself, And uh, but it's always good. I enjoy uh, Fire Away Friday, always, but I especially enjoy it when we're, you know, answering questions that people has taken time to type out. You can tell keyboard in or right, whatever right. that question. Key in. Yeah, and I love mm-hmm. it when we're able to do that. And also uh, Dr. Alex McFarlane. Alex, good afternoon. It's great to be with you guys. Don't we have a privilege in looking to God's Word for the answers to life's questions? I would say so because that's, you know, when answers are not enough, there's Jesus. Amen. And I, I love that song. I don't, Jim, you're, you're musically, uh, you know, historical about those songs like that. How long was that song when Jesus, when answers are not enough? You know, there's uh, Jesus. Man, this is one of those times I don't have the answer. It's so been I'm around twenty. It's been twenty or thirty oh, years. It's at longer least. than longer that. than that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. going to probably say maybe forty. I wouldn't doubt yeah. it at all. But th- that is so true. And here on exploring the Word, where this program is built on sharing God's Word and then answering questions, uh, there's going to be times when that answer that we give. Not sufficient. I, right. We've I've gotten emails from people saying you really didn't answer his or her question, and I admit that's true. Uh, but hey, Jesus is sufficient. He's Amen. enough. Amen. Alex, we we may not always have the answer, and sometimes we simply say we don't know, but we give the best answers we can, don't we? Well, we really do, and you know there are a lot of things that the Bible is very, very, very clear about. And there's some things that it's, uh, you know, pretty strong indication. And then there's a few things that we really just don't know. I want to open up with a verse, then we're going to get to the questions. But um, Psalm 119, one of my favorite chapters of the Bible, I was reading it earlier today. But Psalm 119, verse 160, it's a long chapter, but it says, The entirety of your word is truth, and all your righteous judgments endure forever. And you said, you know, when answers aren't enough, there's Jesus. That's true. And when questions linger on, there is Scripture. (laughs) So I am so glad that uh, there's no expiration date on the Bible. Guys, I've read the Word of God for 30 years, and I've never seen the phrase, best if used by. Mm. or uh, It doesn't have an an expiration date. No, the, the milk in the fridge has an expiration date. That's right. I would just the Bible say does not. I would just say it's best used before death. That's right. Uh, <laughs> I, I, well, I, I would that's say true. that, man. Okay. Right. Hey, Alex, hold on to that verse, because that pretty much answers the first question that I have for you guys. You know, okay. we get people that disagree with us, and that's fine. You know, we there are times we disagree amongst ourselves, 
but we don't disagree on the bedrock principles of the fact that our salvation comes completely from Jesus Christ by grace of God and his shed blood at Calvary. So we agree on, on the majors. We may disagree some on the minors, but we don't lose fellowship over that. But we have mm-hmm. other folks that just think, you know, we don't know what we're talking about at all. And that's okay. So here's, here's the question. And it's all, I, I find it just, you know, one of those things that God's timing is perfect. The Bible is full of contradictive teachings. It's not a good source for people to pull truth from. Now, if I just laid that out as true and false, I think we would all agree that's false. False, yes. But, Alex, the verse you just shared pretty much puts that question in its place, doesn't it? Well, it really does. And, and let me just say this. By definition, God cannot lie or make a mistake because uh, there is no sin in God, and a lie is a sin. So God cannot lie. And because God, by who he is, He's God. He knows all things. God can't make a mistake. Augustine said this 1,600 years ago. Augustine, brilliant believer, he lived 354 to 430. He said, if we think there's a contradiction, then we simply have not correctly understood. Now, I will grant you guys, there are challenging passages. You know, there, there's, some, there's some things that are very clear. John 316, for God so loved the world. A child can grasp that. And then there are some passages that I don't know uh, all that when Ezekiel measures the temple and all, all that. I, I don't completely understand all of that. But the Bible does not contradict itself. Now, let me say one more thing. A contradiction are two things that are absolutely incompatible. For instance, if you said, Jesus rose from the dead, and another verse said, Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Now, those two things are irreconcilable. Either he did or he didn't. But just because there's um, passages that are a challenge, uh, the Sixth Commandment says, Thou shalt not commit murder. And yet, Romans 13, 1-7 says, The powers that be do not bear the sword in vain. That's not a necessary contradiction. Um God gives to nations and individuals the right to self-defense. So a person or a nation or a law enforcement officer um, committing a, cap- a capital action, it might have been killing, but it wasn't necessarily murder. And I will grant you, we have to put our thinking cap on to process these things, but there are no verified contradictions in the Word of God, and in fact, because God gave the Bible, there couldn't be. You know, when when I hear that, I, it's people that want to go into difficult passages. Uh, I was taught this early on to, you know, Alex, you said there would be some difficult passages. There's several in the book of Hebrews, to be honest, you know. Uh, yeah. the, the writer of Hebrews was a thinker. Mm-hmm. You're just talking about putting your thinking cap on. Uh, he had his thinking cap on the whole time. But you go to those that are easier understood to get the truth, to be able to take that truth 
to those that are harder to be understood. That is the principle of interpretation. So a lot of these seemingly contradictions, just as Alex was talking about, if you go to that which is plainly spoken and bring that to that which is more vague to us, Mm -hmm. uh, it will bring clarity. And what most of these seemingly contradictions need is clarity. Right. And you get it in the Word of God. It really does. Amen. All right, guys. Um, By the way, folks, this is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I'm Jim Stanley in with Bert Harper and Dr. Alex McFarland. And I want to remind you that you can send your questions to word at AFR.net. That's W-O-R-D at AFR.net. And we'll try to answer as many of those as we can. And we really do try to answer a lot of those. Some we get, some we don't, and I apologize for that. So we all recognize what the church is, okay? And I I was on for you earlier this week, Brother Bert, and after that I had a call from a gentleman, and with our new phone system, you know, if you have your desk phone forwarded, it's going to come straight to you. And I'm fine with that. So I had an opportunity to talk for about a half hour with this gentleman. And we were talking about the church and what the church means. And I posed to him the church meant two different things. Now, I know what I told him. I want to know what you guys would have told him. What is the difference in the church body and the church building? And thirdly, when does the church building move from a tool or house for the body to be in an idol. Okay. Bert? Amen. Good qu- Good thought. I, you know, I love people say, oh, we need to get back to the New Testament church. Uh, matter of fact, uh, Devin and I were talking about some of that earlier this week. And uh, they said, we do it like the early church, mm-hmm. you know. And I said, do they ha- are, have they built a building or are they meeting in homes? You know, right? Are are they just using the Old Testament without any of the New Testament? Because in the early church, until they about didn't they it. didn't yeah. have that. So, mm-hmm. and and the the church means the called out assembly. That's that's the very idea that you're called out, and it's a group of people that move and choose to, uh, you know, to meet together. And when it gets bigger than what it started out. You get a bigger building, mm-hmm. and you build the building to accommodate the church. Uh, it, the building is never, never the church. Although we use that in our vernacular, it is never the church. The church is—it's only the church when the body is gathering inside that church. Within, it's just—it is a building. And is it important building? Yes, it is. Yep. Is, a, is it a building that should be honored? I say, yes, it is. But it is not, it is the building, and uh, it, it will remain that way because when Jesus comes back and he takes up the church, guess what's going to happen to the buildings? It's going to be They're going to remain. but going to be the, left behind. That's right. Uh, so the church is a called-out body of believers. Alex? Well, yeah, I completely agree. You know, the, the church is people and a place but it's also the believers throughout all of the century. In a way, you know, scholars say they'll talk about the church of all the ages, meaning uh, people who believed, uh, Old and New Testament saints. The church is the building where you go to worship. And 
listen, a building is a good tool. Uh, buildings are, are fine things. But, you know, 1 Corinthians six nineteen says that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And I'm sure everybody has heard, you know, preachers will say, we are the church, you are the church. And, and that's true. So the word church means different things, but in the New Testament times, the, the ecclesia, you use that word, Bert, uh, the called out assembly. See, when we come to Jesus, we are called out of the world, and we are called into mission for God. And so a lot of times, you know, young, younger people will say, well, we spend these millions of dollars building buildings and refurbishing the sanctuary, and, uh, you know, the church is not the building. And obviously, we know that, but a building is a tool, and it's it's a good thing. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with um, a local congregation owning a facility, just like, you know, I've been in all parts of the world where, you know, congregations and groups of believers to reach other people for salvation, they'll there's a lot of tools. A musical instrument is a tool. Mm. A bus is a tool. Mm-hmm. But um, we we understand that the church are born-again believers banded together for the purpose of world evangelization. Amen. Now, I did throw out there, when does the church become an idol? I was wanting to speak to that. You, I want to hear yours. Okay. This is, <laughs> this is one that I was going to weigh in on. Yes. All right, because we have churches that have been in uh, church buildings that have been communities for hundreds of years. But it's interesting to note, and we'll come back to this on the other side of the break, it's interesting to note that the building that was built at that time probably wouldn't allow those parishioners in today. We'll talk about that more on Exploring the Word straight ahead. Back to the Bible study, you're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. It's about the cross. It's about my sin. What a great return bed. You know, because we're talking about the body of Christ, we're talking about the building of the church, and we're talking about, I say building of the church on purpose, but we're also talking about the church building itself because we are called to make disciples. And as we make those disciples, we hope that they become the called out ones, that we would increase the body of Christ as we've been talking about. Now, just before the break, we talked about when does the building move from a tool to an idol? And I said some of the churches that we have now that have a history of a couple of hundred years probably would Mm -hmm. not let some of those same parishioners in today. I'm going to give yeah. you guys a key example of when I think the church moves from a building to an idol. And I, I want to be very respectful here because I do believe that things should be done decently and in order. I think we, should, we are called to take care of the property that God has, has allowed us to invest in. I'm not talking about going in and, you know, taking sledgehammers to the pews or the walls or the Alter. I'm not talking about any of that. I want to be very clear. So I, I do believe we need to be respectful of building. But to me, when the building doesn't allow for potential disciples to come in, okay, let's say, for example, you've got 
one of the most prominent churches in town, if you will. And your, your staff, your volunteers or your staff won't let a homeless person come into worship. I think that's when we've moved past the, the tool becoming an idol. And, you know, I never will forget, we were in Jackson, Tennessee. We were celebrating the 10th anniversary of American Family Radio. Mm. And um, we went to the church building that night. And uh, it, this was back before things are the way they are today. And there was a gentleman that was in motorcycle gear. And the church staff, the greeters, their antenna were up. And this mm-hmm. guy, he was just kind of moving around some. And so, you know, it was one of those things they were concerned. Because here you've got this guy in a motorcycle gear that's coming into their church. So I went over to talk to him. I, you know, it may have been You didn't wrong. know better? I didn't know. I, <laughs> I didn't have a clue, man. Surprise, surprise. But um, I just went over and said, hey, how you doing? And he said, man, I'm doing great. He says, I love AFR. He said, I'm a biker for Christ, and I just wanted to come be part of this service. And so I think sometimes we do have to be careful, especially in this day and age. I want to be clear about that. But we also still need to be willing to minister and to let the church building be the hospital that it's supposed to be. Alex? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. um, There was a church I preached in, and they almost had a split because somebody had come and they had a wallet on a chain. And, you know, maybe it was a biker, I don't know. And this man said, uh, you can't come in the sanctuary wearing that, like, you you know, like a big leather wallet and the chain on the belt. And so, you know, we know I'm guessing because it would scratch up the pews. (laughs) I don't know. I I don't know, maybe. But, you know, um, and and I've been (laughs) places where the youth weren't allowed to go in the sanctuary and have their, you know, guitars or, or do praise music. Um, let me just say this. What, what matters to God is the heart and the mm-hmm. content of the message. The Bible says, man looketh on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart. Listen, I don't care if, and I'm, I'm only speaking my, for myself here, I don't care if you come to church in a three-piece suit or a Budweiser T-shirt. As long as you come in that sanctuary to hear the gospel, and then from the stage, whether it's praise music, electric guitar, or a pipe organ, if it's all about the risen Jesus through whom we have salvation by faith, um, I I say whosoever will may come, and as long as we're preaching the gospel of salvation through Christ, that's that's what matters. And uh, if we begin to think that we have to control who comes in and what goes on, that's dangerous uh, ground, I, I think. It is. I want to tell you a personal experience. I was pastoring a church, and I wasn't going to be here on one particular Sunday, and I had a guy that I knew about to come and to preach. Now, what he was, he was talking about a motorcycle guy. He was a motorcycle guy. His hair was long. Matter of fact, right before church, he and his wife through a tent real close to the church. And <laughs> and when people came by, they looked at him like he was the weirdest thing. And the youth were having a youth breakfast that day. So many of the youth, they saw that 
and they went out and took him some food. Amen. Now, and one of her ladies, I remember her name was Virginia. She's gone to be with the Lord. She came by and said, I want to give you $20. No one asked him to leave. I praise the Lord for that. But when that same guy, when they got through singing their hymns, and they was looking for the preacher, and he walked down the aisle to the pulpit, they were shocked. <laughs> so mm. it may be angels unawares. That's oh, true. Okay, wow. guys, yeah. you better be careful who you uh, don't let in. I, I, yeah, there's times indecency. Mm-hmm. I've, we've had to have to, right. you know. I give the squire robe. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and I get that. But uh, you better be led by the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. And and I got to say one more thing. If um, for the good of the ministry, if if remodeling or expansion is forbidden, uh, even though you need to grow the ministry or do something different, that's when it becomes an idol. Uh, remember, the building exists for the use of the church, not the church existing for the preservation of the building. That sounds like the Sabbath was made for man and man not made for the Sabbath. I think I've read that in an ancient manuscript. <laughs> hey, Jim, better go wow. on to another question. Man, I'm telling you, you guys, you rock. All right, so um, I'm not sure how much more time we have in this segment, but I've got a couple of more questions, and one of them is, uh, is really a popular question that we've had several times. And so uh, Alex uh, brought it to the table today, and so this is really Alex's question I just happen to be the one asking it. Guys, and we're going to give Alex first shot at this since he brought it. What is apostasy? What, it, what does that mean? What does that look like? Oh, great question, great question. Because, you know, Bird and I have used that term a time or two. Um, it's basically somebody that once was a Christian now denying and opposing Christianity. And, it, you know, it is a, a Bible word, but... I want to give a couple of things here because um, to have once affirmed Jesus and now to deny that Jesus is the Savior, to have at one time believed that the Bible is the Word of God and now you deny it's the Word of God, um, those are apostate teachings. And, you know, First uh, John chapter 2 talks a lot about, you know, who is the Antichrist now, there's going to be an Antichrist, but it says the spirit of Antichrist is to deny that Jesus has come in the flesh. Uh, that's 1 John 2, uh, 22. Okay. Now, the reason I bring that up is we are living in a time where certain segments of the American church are teaching things that are apostate. And, and let me be really clear. Uh, things like... Uh, transgenderism and homosexual marriage and the idea that uh, there should be no legal protection for the unborn, that somehow abortion is okay. Those are unbiblical. Now, I want to say this, guys, and I think you'll understand. The word apostasy fundamentally is the word for riot. It's like chaos. And we understand if everybody just calls the shots and makes up their own doctrines rather than following the Word of God. I mean, that would be chaos, right? But the word apostasy, Bert, I was doing a word study on this at the end of last week because we had gotten this question. It's actually the ancient word also for divorce. Now, from what have some segments of the church divorced themselves from God's truth? To cut yourself loose from the Bible, from Christ, 
from scriptural reality, that's like being divorced. And uh, let me say, as long as we live and minister, we had better be wedded to the truth of God's Word. You know, when I first heard that, I could not help but think of Acts chapter 8. Philip was preaching, and uh, he comes and he preaches a strong message. There was joy in the city uh, there in Samaria. But there was a man by the name of Simon. Uh, He was a sorcerer. And guess what? It says of Simon the sorcerer, uh, verse 13 of chapter 8, Simon himself also believed and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip. And and that's all it says about that. Now, if you heard that, you'd think this guy got saved and right. But later on, guess what he did? He saw the power of God demonstrated in Peter and John when they came there by the laying on of hands. And he went and says, how can I purchase this? Mm. He revealed the apostasy in him. Of, of a false faith. Let me say this about apostasy. It's always false. Mm-hmm. It was either a false faith or a false teaching concerning the faith. And they they come to the place where they either have taught it or believe it, and they have apostatized. That means they've turned away. Well, Book of John says they were never with us in the first place. Mm-hmm. Now, mm. I, I don't get into that argument. I just know the result is the same. And and for those of you that believe you can be saved and then lost, that means the latter part was lost because it said if we took Christ again and crucified him again, it would be to an open shame. Mm -hmm. They've apostatized. They're gone. Or if they believe like or similar to what I do, they were never really saved in the first place, just like Simon here. He had all the trappings. He, he believed, and the same word is used there, Alex. That's what's amazing. And he was baptized, same baptism, but it was not real, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, we're talking about apostatizing is always false. Somewhere in there, he never hit spiritual maturity. You know, he was one of yeah. those seeds that was gathered up by the birds, you know? And so the, yeah. the root of his faith, even though he proclaimed Christ and was baptized, the root of his faith never came to fruition. All right, I've got one more tag on to that, okay? Get ready. <laughs> Buckle up. Okay. So while these folks who later become apostates are in the church and are being used in the service of the Lord, and they've written these beautiful praise songs or they've written these beautiful hymns, what happens to those works of music? Do they lose their anointing? Well, or me, were they never anointed? Amen. Let me go first. I do a short answer. It's sort of like baptism. I know many people uh, who were baptized by pastors who the pastors later said they wasn't even saved, mm. and they got saved later. That did not nullify the baptism because the n- baptism was in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Or if you're in Jesus only, Holy Spirit of the Father only, it was the demonstration of faith. They didn't have to go find somebody real that baptize them. The songs are based on truth. They're still truth. Uh, it may be a few months or years before we want to sing that again because we've got to run it over. No, I agree. Uh, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Uh, that's a song that we sing in the hymns, and it's there. And it was written by someone that started off right and went wrong. Yeah. And the, songs, really? the song is still good, yes. Mm. 
And you know what? There have been people convicted of practicing medicine without a license. But if they gave a good prescription, there's nothing wrong with the medicine, even though the one who prescribed it might have been fraudulent. Now Dude, we're not. That's now it, hold man. up. We're not. We're not. We're not uh, broadcasting that it's okay to to practice medicine without a license. Want to be clear about no, that? No, no. But, um, no, but I get but I'm the saying, I get the character characterization there. Go ahead. Yeah, the gospel is still the gospel, even if the one who proclaimed it at one time later fell away. Even in song. I, I don't think we have that much trouble with with you know people doing it, but with songs, I, it comes in. I, that's the where I hear it the most. Well, mm-hmm. we we don't sing that song anymore, and I say why, and that's well, you know who wrote it, and uh, I do know who wrote it, but I also know the truth of that song. Is there a battle going on? I, I guess there is, but the truth is the truth is the truth. Amen. All right. Well, that's man. Those are good answers. I appreciate that. Um, I, well, I was not send, looking to pick a fight there. Send <laughs> your emails to Jim Stanley. No. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, just send those to Jim Stanley at AFR.net. Well, and the reason I say that is because we know God can use anything to move his word or to make his presence known. And you guys know where I'm going with this. He's used Balaam's donkey. He's used Jim Stanley. He And so when he uses these things, they're, they're used for his glorification. That does not nullify God's glory, even though the person may fall away. You know, the message is still a good commentary on the Bible, but it's not a trusted commentary like it was because we see what the author has done now and some of the things that he has stood for. And so that doesn't make what God used in there for people who came to Christ because of the message that doesn't nullify their salvation. It does not. And recently we've had this happen, and I'm not going to throw a name out there, but a great, great apologist. And it blew mm-hmm. us away when we found out what was going on in his other life. But And, yes, they've a lot of them taken everything down, mm-hmm. but the truth that he did proclaim was truth even though he was living that way. Jesus, you remember, uh, they say, Jesus, have we not prophesied in your name, done great, wonderful works in your name? Jesus did not deny the works of the words, guys. He just said, depart from me, you. Yeah. Not the works and uh, Alex, Jim, it sounded like the works and the words were right. Uh, Does that throw you off, Alex, or is that? What? No, no, that's true. Do you know what? When I was at Liberty University, somebody spoke in chapel one time. Uh, they were part of a communist movement, and they had a Bible to refute Christianity as communist, and this guy ended up becoming a believer, reading it. So God gets his truth through. Praise Amen. the Lord. Amen. Folks, Exploring the Word continues, and what do we mean when human has rights? Straight ahead. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. As we go, let us make disciples. As we go, let us tell. That was one of the songs from a soundtrack that Moody Bible Institute put together probably somewhere between 15 and 20 years ago. And that has been one of my favorite songs from that track. And it's songs based upon the life of Paul. 
and and you know his mission and mission and different things like that and so uh, you know uh, that's just one of those songs from that project and as soon as I can remember the name, I'll get it to Devin, and, and we'll let him post it. <laughs> you right. know, in songs like that, I just got to say a word, In Christ Alone, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just interviewed uh, the Gettys, and it's 20 years that song has been That's around. Right. Let me say, good songs are always fresh, no matter how old they are. Amen. Mm-hmm. And that's, well, you know. That's why Amazing Grace is still you better good. Praise the Lord. Amen. And he saved a wretch like me. Hey, I'm I want to be very clear about that. <laughs> I'm qualified uh, on I, that one. <laughs> I was a wretch, not necessarily I was a person, you know, because some songbooks have changed that. But I was a wretch when I got saved. Amen. Nonetheless, I, I, I veer off course here. So this is another question that Alex gave us today. And it's one that we come back to because we know as Americans, you know, we know that Paul is a Roman citizen had certain rights. We know that we as Americans have certain rights. But what is what do we mean when we say humans have rights? Alex? Well, uh, that's great. And we, we more and more, we actually do get this question about, you know, what is the nature, what is oh. meant by a right, R-I-G-H-T, and why do we Christians think that humans have rights? Hey, because Alex, let me throw this in real quick. I'm sorry. This okay. question, we have to give a college-level answer. <laughs> okay, because it was sent bit. from a student at William Carey College in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Go ahead, brother. Exactly. And the the student kind of gave a little uh, clarification and said, look, we're, we're sinners. We're, we're, we're fallen sinners. We don't have any rights. And I said, no, I, I get what you're saying. We are sinners. We need to come to Christ to be born again. But actually, um, rights are um, assumed by the Bible, like in the Mosaic Law. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, first of all, Genesis one twenty seven said God made uh, man in His image, male and female created He them. So a right, R I G H T, it's something that you're entitled to because you're a human being, and because we humans were made by God, we're made in the image of God. There are certain things that that we all are due. Now, um, I would say that biblically, and certainly the founders, if you, if you look at America's founders, they people sought to understand what what was going through the mind of America's founders. Well, this is a fact. This is not just a, a stat out of midair. This is truth. Three thousand one hundred and fifty four times, the the founders refer to the Bible. Isn't that something? 3,154 times our founding documents or the writings or the, of the founders or the deliberations related to the Constitution, the number one source far and away, they refer to the Bible. Then they refer to uh, a thinker named John Locke uh, and a number of others, uh, Montesquieu, Thomas Paine, British common law, but all of these things... By the law of Moses, okay, what does the Mosaic Code from the Word of God tell us about human rights? Well, it says that people, the number one thing, number one, have the right to life. Nobody, individuals or governments, has the right to murder you. Mm. Um, There's the right to uh, equal treatment before the law. I mean... You think about this, because throughout history, and and I'm holding in my hand right now a secular 
history book. And it says that throughout history, you were either subject to a dictator or a monarch, a king, or you were subject to majority, the vox populi. And yet along comes the United States of America, and this comes straight out of the Old Testament, that if you're accused of something, you uh, have the right to due process, fair, fair treatment. Uh, and that's where we have all these you know, innocent till proven guilty. Well, you, you have the right to marry and have a family. That's part of uh, what we would call the pursuit of happiness and self-determination. And then you have the right to freedom of thought, freedom of opinion, freedom of expression, and freedom of religion. Now, there's more that we could go over, but we say that humans have rights, and in a big general sense, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. The founders wrote that. Jefferson wrote it. Why? Because they believed in God, they believed in the Bible, and they drew from thinkers throughout history that had a view of humanity that was harmonious with the Scriptures. Let me go back to the book of Genesis, uh, Alex, what you said, and Jim. After he made male and female, he gave them dominion over all that he made. Mm -hmm. To have dominion or responsibility gives you rights. Uh, Rights brings on those responsibilities. It brings on the accountability. But the right to do what? To rule over the animal life, over the plant life. That is the right that God gave us in creation, even in the Garden of Eden. Then, as Alex did, he expanded over the law, and he was talking about due process. What he did when he set the government up before there was a king, uh, he gave six cities of refuge. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he gave the right to an individual who was out cutting a tree and the tree accidentally fell on someone, he gave them the right to go to one of these cities of refuge, find refuge there. Then the kinsman redeemer would find out that, and he would come and say to the judges who were there and bring his case against them, and they would decide, and there was due process, there was due Mm. punishment equal, and, and they would judge that. So the Bible is filled with these rights that God has given in creation and I would say in government and those rights are real but you got to go back I was bought with a price Mm -hmm. therefore I glorify God in my bodies these rights never supersede God's right to reign in my life he has and I think that's where the student was coming from Mm -hmm. and and so but God does not override that. He does not force his will. I stand at the door and knock, and if any man answer that door, I will come in. So you had the right of what? Refusing mm-hmm. or receiving. And, mm-hmm. you know, as we look at this and we go maybe one step further, when we forfeit those rights or we break those rights, let's say we try that Jim Stanley tries to supersede Bert Harper's uh, rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. If I do that, if I try to do that to you or to Alex or to Devin or anyone, then there are consequences for those actions. And it is one of those things, you know, that 
if I deliberately and purposely, you know, just whack you as hard as I can, then that becomes assault. And so there are consequences for those actions. So, yes, we do have rights, but that does not supersede the consequences when we forfeit those rights, when we perhaps break man's law, be it according, you know, be it drugs or be it whatever. At some point, we do have to face the consequences for those decisions. It even goes back to what you said earlier when we say, well, we've done this in the name of Christ. God, we've done these great works for you. And Jesus looks at us and says, depart from me. I never knew you. That's going to be eye-opening. And, and unfortunately, it's going to be too late. Alex? And uh, Can we go even a little bit deeper on this thing? The question is, uh, why do we think that humans have rights, and what are those rights? Mm. Uh, um, there, there's a very important word, and I, I know, like you said, Jim, this is a little bit of a college-level thing, but it relates to just the, the brilliance of America's founders. Honestly, folks, we need to pray for our country because in the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, uh, I, I really, clearly what our founders came up with was in harmony with Scripture, but I think it was actually probably uh, guided by the Lord because it's done the most to give the world liberty, stability, and prosperity. But our rights, because people will say, well, why do you conservatives oppose the rights of, of homosexuals to marry? Well, see, to be clear, when we talk about constitutional rights, the word we need to really throw in there is what are called natural rights. Uh, our, we only have rights that really are in harmony with what are common to all people. Because, see, here's the thing. Uh, when you talk about um, worth, value, dignity of humans, these are what are called immutable characteristics. You can't change that you're a human being. Now, if you engage in homosexual behavior or not, that is mutable. Um, so the, the rights of our Constitution... And generally, and this goes all the way back to Cyrus the Great, before the time of, um, of the church, even Cyrus, when he became the leader, he freed all the slaves. He's one of the, they, sometimes they'll call Cyrus uh, the father of human rights, uh, which I disagree. I, it's God and it's Moses. But um, my natural rights are limited to the fact that they don't override any of your natural rights. Mm. Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. All right. Um, we're not a completely free people, not in the sense that I'm free to do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. um, if, I, if I want Jim Stanley's car, I'm not free to steal it. I could either buy it or save my money and buy one like it. So my rights are limited. And here's one more thing, and I'll throw back to you guys, but a word that we need to teach people is the word penumbra, P-E-N-U-M-B-R-A. A penumbra is a group of something. And what the founders meant, we have this penumbra of rights. The rights we have, natural rights, are things that are in harmony with the law written on everybody's heart. Um, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Now what's happened since 1973 is the the assumption of, of what are called artificial rights. Does a woman have the right to 
abort a baby. She she doesn't. Now I I know that you know different courts have said oh yes she does, but actually within the penumbra of natural rights, there's not a right to redefine what marriage is. There's not a right to never be offended. See, I've had at universities when I'll talk about marriage is between a man and a woman, people say, well, that I find that offensive and I shouldn't have to hear that. There's no, there's no right guaranteed that you'll never be offended. As a Christian, there's, when I hear people, you know, denigrate Jesus, that makes my heart heavy. But in a, in a world of free expression, there's going to be some people that express truth and some people that don't. Mm. So, guys, the dangerous ground that we're on is that people are demanding rights that really undermine the natural rights promised to be guarded by the Constitution. We call this liberty, you know, rights, liberty. Mm-hmm. Uh, liberty without limits is suicide. Mm. And that's mm. what this, uh, what Alex is just talking about, these unlimited rights is going for. They're going for destruction. Let me give you an example. First Corinthians chapter 6, Paul writes and says, fornicators, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, they'll not have any part into heaven. And it says, such were Amen. some of you. Thank but you. then it comes back to verse 12. Now, right after, isn't this interesting that he'd say these things? All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I'll not be brought under the power of any. In other words, we have liberty with limits, and that's my limit. I cannot overtake what you own already. God has given us the right of private ownership. God has given us these rights that we have, and when my right to desire or take what you have— I, I've overstepped that. Right. And and that's the whole idea. Liberty with limits. Uh, I have the liberty to drive after I get my license, but I better not drive on the wrong side of the road. Okay? <laughs> There's a limited. If I, no, well, I, I won't. I'm, I'm a left. I, I drive in the left lane. I don't care what you do. I drive in the left lane. So <clears throat> from what both you guys are saying, we have rights. We have freedoms. There are limits. But also, we have responsibilities. Right. They, they go together. Amen. They go Amen. together, Jim. And uh, we, we need to under—and then, let me add something else to that. There's accountability. Okay? Mm-hmm. And we do stand before God one day. Yeah. And mm-hmm. just as a government, the government has rights that it, that it, that it maintains for its citizens. Those rights have been given to us by God— and uh, as Alex has said, natural law, and a government has the authority to to maintain those rights as under God. So, and I and I ask this tongue in cheek because of where I live in the city of Tupelo, there are these stop signs <laughs> where there's no traffic, and they're always stops. You know, so the right, the left. You know, used to there were four way stops. Now they're just called always stops. So are you telling me that that metal sign that tells me to stop still has the the authority and I should be responsible enough to stop regardless? Well, STOP, spin tire on pavement. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't think, I don't think that's it. I don't think that's it. So I think it does mean stop. I do. Go ahead, Alex. Take us out, man. Well, stop signs are a moral tool because we value life. We want to drive safely. Well, guys, isn't it wonderful that we can go to the Word of God and be led by His Spirit and we can find truth? Folks, Amen. you've been listening to Exploring the Word. You can send us questions at word at AFR.net, W-O-R-D, at AFR.net. And do me a favor. Tell somebody about Exploring the Word and the American Family Radio Network. But most of all, tell everybody about Jesus.